In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. Do you like beer, Senator? Or not. Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Yeah! You're the pop- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news, brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Let's get into it. Morning, Brian. Welcome to phase two. Oh, yes. Welcome to phase two. Hello. Has it been phase two already where you are? Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and I, in Long Island, I think for like a week or so, um, there's been more like outdoor seating in places that I've noticed, but that's pretty much it. That's yeah, I noticed really. looking out my window, I was trying to see if there was like more activity and there are definitely some restaurants that have just like put some guardrails basically like in the road. I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. I tweeted this morning, like, for all these Karens that are going to call 311, like, there are people and restaurants putting tables on my sidewalk right outside my door. Bitch, call me instead, and I will tell you to shut the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) Let people live and get their livelihoods. Happy some things are coming back. But um, we have a ton to talk about today, so we're just going to get right into it. Let's first talk about Trump's rally on Saturday. Yes. Donald Trump was originally planning to hold a rally in Tulsa on Juneteenth, uh, but obviously came under fire for potentially assembling a group of white supremacists and white supremacist sympathizers on the anniversary of emancipation, uh, especially in the city, which was home to the biggest instance of racial violence. Under presser, Trump eventually changed that date. He had it on Saturday. Juneteenth was June 19th on Friday. Uh, But of course, he maintained that he thought the rally would honor Juneteenth and in fact credited himself with bringing so much uh, attention to the holiday at all. Mm-hmm. So even with the change date, the Trump administration boasted of at least a million RSVPs. That's what Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany tweeted last week. I was I had a little annoyance today where I could spell her name without looking it up, and I was just like, this bitch. I know. She doesn't deserve it. it. <laughs> it's a very pretentious name. Kaylee, and like the way it's spelled, like K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. It's really like, annoying. It's a, it's a very white girl name. It and it's one of those things where it's like people have a hard time or say that like people from other cultures and backgrounds have difficult names. No. Kay- I, I, I bring you Kaylee McEnany. Yeah. Anyway, so they were really inflating expectations. They were like so excited. They're like 800,000 people are going to come. Huge, huge ranges. Even as Dr. Fauci and other health experts were like, this is going to be bad. I wouldn't go. You're risking putting Oklahoma's at risk. Obviously, like people are big fans of the president out there in some areas and like we'll travel and follow him like the Grateful Dead. So they were probably, they're like literally going to be deadheads, I guess. Yeah, Um, exactly. So people traveling from other states, not a good look. Come Saturday, uh, the media was going kind of hysterical during the day over like tens of thousands of people that were going to be there. We actually had a follower who sent me a picture midday of, she was like, this is, here are the thousands of people from her apartment in downtown Tulsa. And it was clearly not thousands of people. Um, I was going to post it originally, but I was like, we're really at the point with this administration where I didn't even want anyone to be able to figure out where she took the picture because 
<laughs> yeah. what they're up to eventually because she then sh sent us some um, images of protests after the rally which were much better attended um, but anyway yeah lots of hysteria oh my god there's so many people here it became clear after people started filling up the arena that the Trump administration did not even come close to filling the 19,000 stadium so why yes. is that there are some fun, really satisfying reasons and some more likely reasons. Um, people were quick to credit a viral TikTok campaign, uh, which propped up to reserve hundreds of thousands of tickets for the event. Activists and K-pop fans also took part. Uh, this, I think, started on TikTok. And then I was reading more about it yesterday, and there are just so many like interesting like activist factions on social media that I had no idea. Like, Mm -hmm. so I was like, well, activist TikTok, we know, uh, we know the K, we know K-pop Twitter really well. And we have like, wow, it's really a whole network. Um, yeah. But they, they seem to have pulled something off. So in all likelihood, the idea was let's reserve so many tickets so that there are empty seats because we won't show up. In all likelihood, the Trump administration wasn't really ever going to limit the amount of free reservations it was going out. They... The Trump administration probably accounts for people trolling them. And just also, especially in a pandemic, like if there's a free ticket for something, of course you're going to say you're going to go. Maybe mm -hmm. you will feel like it that day. But obviously only 6,000 people showed up, according to the fire department. And um, TikTok and people delighted in the fact that this trolling was definitely successful to some degree. Like even if it didn't necessarily take seats away from people. I mean, the Trump yeah. the, the campaign, they built an overflow area. They were so sure. I know. Well, that, they is, were so that, sure. is, that is what's the most, you know, satisfactory part of this whole, well, in, about this, like in terms of the numbers is like, exactly. they were doing this to give Trump a rally to, so he could feel good about himself. He is like, he needs applause. He needs affirmation from strangers. Like he's very insecure. He needs it. And so for him to go show up expecting 19,000 people with overflow to then only be addressing one third of that, it's Ugh. like, like, like the blow to his self-esteem, like, is like, gives me, I don't know, like so much satisfaction. That's so true. I totally forgot the fact that last week it came out that they specifically were doing this rally to lift his spirits because mm -hmm. he's been in a bad mood. Because he's been, he hasn't been able to do his, his, his coronavirus press briefings because everyone made fun of him for it. Right. And then he couldn't do his rallies because everyone was like, no, they'll get sick. And then he tried to do it and, you know, just did yeah. not. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, in all likelihood, it's a global pandemic. People aren't really down to try. I mean, uh, on the positive side, it did allow for social distancing. There were plenty of pictures of people having plenty of space to move about. Yeah. Um, I would love if this does like signal some some issues he might be having with the support that he had. Um, so the nature of the rally itself was a bit overshadowed by the low attendance and the TikTok stunt, but it was fucking wild mm -hmm. and disturbing. He referred to the disease caused by the novel coronavirus as the Kung flu, which might be like the most, I don't know, I, I, it's not for me to say, but it seems like one of the most racist things he said about it. Yeah, about um, the yeah, virus, yeah. There's a list, right, about the virus specifically. Yeah, about the virus specifically. <laughs> I was like, I mean, maybe like in the grand scheme yeah. of it's not, but about the virus, like, 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 it's like, there's just so many things it's hard to tell. There's like, and it's they're a all very like, high bar. They're all like pretty neck and neck at this point. I mean, it is true. Uh, I, I didn't get that at first when I read it. And then when you said it, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> that's awful. I, know. I was like, is, oh, it, is, is it like, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. I, you know, 
Um, he called Black Lives Matter protesters thugs. He um, attacked efforts to take down Confederate statues, calling it an assault on our heritage. Sir, he, you are from Queens. I know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, he suggested that he brought back bad homebrews, suggesting they're breaking into women's homes. Um, but he successfully drank a glass of water. Did you see Ted Lewis troll of him with the glass of water? So funny. Because because at the rally, yeah. Trump like take a sip, took a sip because there was that viral video of him like him not being able to to take a sip of water with one hand, and so he he like holds up a glass of water, takes a sip, and then throws the glass. It is the most like stupid thing in the world and ted lu basically just reenacts it it is so funny because you're like oh he's just a fucking idiot it is so funny oh it's brutal so disturbing everything he does is just is ridiculous and this whole confederate statue thing it it's just um someone was saying how like the confederacy lasted was was shorter than the the series gilmore girls (laughs) <laughs> and we'd need statues of Lorelei. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching, um, over the weekend, I've been watching uh, the Ken Burns Civil War documentary. Oh. Um, I also watched Lincoln, which I'm very aware are like two pieces of content made by white men. So I'm trying to like check as I'm watching it, how it's portrayed and, and other angles and, and issues people have taken with it. But I like have never... I have a hard time doing anything or expressing an opinion unless I feel really, really prepared. Hopefully that comes across on this podcast, but I've never really felt very fluent or knowledgeable about the civil war. And I feel like sometimes that holds me back in arguing with people about it, even though it's, I guess what I'm saying is from watching this documentary, it is very clear what that war is about. It's just bizarre that people are like, no, it's heritage. It's states rights. It's like they said slavery 55 fucking times in their constitution. But yeah, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been a, it's most, it's more about like the battles, which I don't care as much about as like the political context. Um, But yeah, learning more about what the Confederacy was. It is so shocking. The degree to which, which people celebrate These were traitorous rebels. What are you doing? I know it's Who crazy. Loves slavery. It is. It is like the most un-American thing. It, to, exactly. Like it is the opposite of, you know, patriotism is is supporting Confederacy because that's literally the opposite of patriotism. It is the. <laughs> it's a rebellion. <laughs> it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing just to be you know reminded with the with the context that I have now when the last time I might have done a deep dive was maybe like 10 years ago in college or something. But um, Trump is so mad about this. This morning he tweeted, uh, rigged 2020 election, millions of mail-in ballots will be printed by foreign countries and others. It will be the scandal of our times. I'm sure Twitter will hopefully flag this soon because that's not true. And I'm sure he's doing this because he realized he's not going to win. Yeah. You know, you look at the data and, you know, you can actually see that mail-in voting is one of the safest forms of voting there's not the evidence to back up that there is mass voter fraud with mail-in ballots at all. Um, basically, like this tweet basically just highlights their campaign strategy for the next five months. You know, it's not good. Like, when was the last time we heard anyone talk about fucking Burisma? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's like, doesn't even talk about Joe Biden. We're not talking about Ukraine anymore. He Now it's just going to be clear, like... He's going to try and delegitimize the election before it even happens. Um, yeah, I know. Like the, that- these, these tweets are more dangerous to election security than anything he is like alleging in them. Well, it's like now it's like, you know, we know he's admitted and he's talked about and they've talked about how it's fine, how he asked for foreign election interference from Ukraine. And now we are learning. And he also asked for a check from China. But now, you know, there's this John Bolton book 
and we're we're learning that there is even further instances of him trying to solicit foreign interference. And so pe people, we're basically this 2020, we're going to be fighting against a possible foreign interference and voter suppression from our own president. And, you know, you think about it, it's like, if we were, if we, 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 we like to say that we pr like promote democracy across the world. If we saw in a foreign country that there was one political side, one party or leader, you know, working to, to, to suppress the vote in their favor, we would be there yeah. monitoring their elections. Absolutely. I would not and be surprised if the UN comes and monitors ours. And they probably always do, honestly. But yeah. But like, at more. what point do, do we even have like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi say something like being like, we need UN election moderate, like whatever. Right. Well, the thing so. is, is, yeah, I mean, they're gonna, I mean, a couple months ago, maybe there was a really long Atlantic piece basically saying this is how the different disinformation war, this is what it's gonna, what it's gonna look like. And this, the writer predicted um, that the election night, something would happen where Trump would tweet reports of undocumented immigrants stuffing trash bags with ballots and stuffing ballot boxes or whatever. And just like seeing this tweet this morning, like he's already doing it. He's mm -hmm. already doing it. But it, it's interesting. You made the point that like, I forget how close we are to the election because I feel like we're still for so long. We've been theorizing about how the actual election cycle, the campaigning part, like the summer before is going to go and thinking, Oh, Burisma was going to be really bad for Biden, but you're right. It's only five months away. And that's really hasn't been a big feature. Like, knock on wood, because I don't think that's good for Biden, but not that this is better, but it is interesting. It, it's wild to think how close we are. Like, this is it. It's happening. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift, because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. 
Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. There are a bunch of primaries happening right now. One of the biggest races people are watching is the Kentucky Democratic primary. So Democratic contender Amy McGrath, uh, a former fighter pilot, put her name in the ring nearly a year ago. Uh, She had like a very viral campaign video. And just because she was the one person that was like going against Mitch McConnell, I feel like it really elevated her because everyone fucking hates Mitch McConnell. Right. Um, Uh, And since then, she amassed a war chest of funds. Um, But in recent weeks, her support has dwindled among progressives who, amid things like a pandemic that has exposed the risks of having an inequitable healthcare system and widespread racial injustice, think that she may not be the best person to rise to the opportunity to challenge Mitch McConnell in November. So she is being challenged by um, another Democrat, uh, Charles Booker. Charles Booker is the youngest black legislator in the Kentucky House of Representatives. He is only 35, uh, and he has been active in the Black Lives Matter protests where he was tear gassed. Um, Amy McGrath, on the other hand, said she has not attended any protests. Um, Booker um, has now gone on to receive endorsements of the two of the largest states' newspapers, two of the state's largest newspapers, in addition to... uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders, um, which is really, uh, that's impressive, you know, um, because you think about it, I remember hearing about Amy McGrath, and now now I'm seeing Booker everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Um, And so at the beginning of this month, Booker had raised about $800,000. I think Amy McGrath already had $41 million, which is a fucking crazy amount of money. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, she's been, she announced her candidacy like a year ago and people have been hyping for her up, us included, um, mm-hmm. for a long time because she's sort of the anointed party chosen one, but, but I think she said you know, some weird stuff. Yeah. So she has, a, she, she originally supported Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court and has once suggested Mitch McConnell should be unseated because he was getting in the way of Trump's legislation, legislative agenda. Um, Do you think either of them have a chance at beating Mitch McConnell? I mean, you know, they did just elect a Democratic governor. True. So honestly, who the heck knows? But as you know, as we're seeing voter suppression, they with the coronavirus, they have cut thirty seven hundred poll locations to two hundred. Thirty thousand seven hundred to two hundred. That is crazy. Three thousand seven hundred. 3,700. Yeah. I feel like I don't know how to say numbers sometimes. <laughs> um, and that's like a 95% cut. Uh, and so this coming off, so we're just like anticipating, you know. Real, Another Wisconsin, of, Georgia. Yeah, a similar response to Georgia. And this is apparently because so many poll workers will not show up due to concerns over the coronavirus uh, Last week, a federal judge rejected an effort to add polling places in the state's largest counties, citing a legal standard discouraging last-minute court intervention in election procedures. Uh, so there will 
only be one polling place for more than 767,000 registered voters in Louisville's Jefferson County, where half the state's black voters live. That is insane. Yeah. And there's only one in, yeah, there's only one in Fayette County, um, which when you add that Fayette and Jefferson County make up 60% of the state's uh, black voters. Mm -hmm. So this is bad. (laughs) <laughs> this is bad. So this is bad. I tweeted or I, I put some information about this on our Instagram this morning. It, it wasn't clear to me what the actions are, what we can do about it today, um, other than, you know, something like la- a last minute attempt to delay it until they're more ready. But I got a lot of responses from people saying, like, frankly, they have been doing an adequate job of telling us that we can vote early, of sending absentee ballots, like, a lot of people that live in Kentucky were a little bit worried that the amount of attention this issue is getting today might overstate how long the lines could be tomorrow mm-hmm. and discourage people from voting. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be a little careful how I promoted that and changed up how I how I portrayed that information. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where information about voter suppression, if you're not careful, can have the effect of suppressing the vote. So you can, if you live in Kentucky, you can still vote early today. You can postmark your ballot anytime after tomorrow. Like... The trade-off with this, and I think we'll see this in November, too, and in our state tomorrow, is that we're just going to have to wait a little longer to know who won and be patient and not – that's just the effect of, of this virus. So we'll watch really closely. I, I, It's going to be shocking and really disturbing if it is another Wisconsin and Georgia, especially because people have been saying today they feel like maybe enough precautions were taken. But, you know, in no world is one location for half of the state's black voters acceptable, in my view – even if yeah. it's a fairground, like it's apparent, like Kentucky's pretty rural. It still requires you to drive. Like, I don't think that one, just, I, I don't really care what the explanation is. One, one polling place for 800,000 people is not acceptable. I mean, I'm just, uh, it is, it is awful. And I know, I don't want to say like, it's only a primary, but it does give us the opportunity to, you know, address issues Good before point. November, because now it's like, okay, we now know what a fucking clusterfuck that was, if it was, if it ends up being one. But like looking at Georgia example, it's like okay, how do we, how do we avoid this in in five months? Right. I am really um, curious to hear to see what happens, given that people are like, wait, we think we actually got it under control and took leads from Wisconsin and, and Georgia. So I mean, hopefully there will be, at least be lessons. If it yeah. fails, then you know you know the answer of oh, but we promoted early voting and people got absentee ballots. Well, that if that that might not work. So yeah. at least we'll know. Yeah, so I'm really excited to see how that race turns out. Um, there's also the New York primaries happening. Um, Brian's favorite and, topic. What? Yeah, I, feel I know. Like this is I, one of your top topics. I, I don't know why I talk. I, I, I'm also no, I just like, I, I don't know, whatever. So, well, I mean, all of our, I mean, this is what I was learning as I was doing this outline is like, I was reminded that a lot of New York's representatives are pretty important just because they're high ranking. So they're important to yeah. New Yorkers. They're important to Congress. Well, like, we, I mean, it's just when you think about it, it's just crazy. It is crazy that Alexandria yeah. Ocasio-Cortez, it's only been two years since she yeah. won a primary and she's already one of the most powerful people in our, our politics so you don't know what's going to happen like even like even if we don't like want to say she is like she does she's not a high-ranking member she holds so much yeah. sway with her her endorsements she got bernie sanders back on the campaign trail you know even like anything she's raised money for 
so many Democrats, so many progressives. So it's- well, there's always that trio you hear when you talk about endorsements, Senator Sanders, Senator Warren, and Rep. Rep. Ocasio-Cortez. And mm-hmm. she is a freshman representative. They are both mm-hmm. very old senior. Well, Elizabeth Warren, I'm always surprised, has only been in the Senate since 2012. But she's put yeah. in that category after only two years. Yeah, totally. And so she's, because she famously unseated a longtime congressional Democrat um, who was very high rank. He was potentially the next Speaker of the House. Um, so very high ranking. Another high ranking Democrat, um, Representative Elliot Engel, um, who has represented New York for 31 years. He's the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee with endorsements from Governor Cuomo and Hillary Clinton. He's facing a challenge from Jamal Bowman. He is 44 years old founder of a middle school that served disadvantaged students. Engel is accused of being out of touch with New Yorkers. Uh, He spent a lot of his quarantine in Maryland. Um, He was also caught on a hot microphone, urging the organizer of a news conference in his district to let him speak during a conversation about George Floyd. He was caught saying, if I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. That's so bad. Bad. Why would you ever say something like that, even if you thought it? Like, that's right. like, you know what I mean? Like, if you've been in politics for 31 years, you think you would know not to say as horrible thing like that. Yeah, that's um, one of those things where it's like, if it occurs to you, then you're like, man, I'm a bad oh, person. I'm a bad person. Let alone exactly. say it out loud. I know. I, shocking. I, I, exactly. I, you, Maybe it's been to... shocking to me as a white person, probably not shocking to black yeah. people. But he apparently um, tried to explain this way as like, no, 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 I meant the... Uh, I meant that I did care. Like, the explanation was not good. Yeah. Um, there's also Suraj Patel. He will mount another challenge to New York City Representative Carolyn Maloney. He ran against her in 2018, and she beat him about by about 20 points. He is a child of immigrants, a lawyer, and a former Obama aide. Also New York City House member Jerry Nadler, um, who has been in Congress forever as well. Faces uh, a few challengers, one including uh, 36-year-old Lindsay Boylan, who is more progressive. Um, so we will see. Yeah. We will see. Yeah, it'll be I interesting that- to see, like, how, what you know, if the the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez primary will like lead to more of that happening this year. Right. Yeah. Never and really I definitely, know. I definitely think that like this year, I think some of those establishment Democrats will be helped by the fact that there's a lot of unity in like defeating Trump, of course, and keeping, not being risky and who we're putting up in their house seats, because at the very least, if he stays president, we have to keep that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, we'll see. But I think in, in 2022, if that's not an issue, like if, if Trump loses and then some of these seats come up again in 2022, I guess these ones might not. Well, actually they will. But um, I think we might see that a, we might see, thing, Yeah. Yeah. We might I see think less party we'll unity see. and a, uh, yeah, a, a rise in the progressive left. Yeah. And maybe that's what we saw in, in 2018. There was just such a strong reaction to, it wasn't a, a, a presidential election year, but there was a really strong reaction to, to what he had been doing. Um, because yeah, there, the complicating factor is that like, I mean, as a New York City voter myself, it's like I personally am more aligned with all of these younger, more progressive candidates' policies. But as we said, a lot of these reps, like, because they've been there so long, for better and for worse, like, they do have relationships and they are able to get things for our state. Um, but it, I don't think it would hurt to see if we get some fresh eyes and maybe they don't really have the best idea of what our state needs anymore. 
but I think no matter what, the, the, the outcome tomorrow will definitely be a sort of referendum on, on where voters are, are leading. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah, we'll be back, back tomorrow to report back on. Oh, yeah. On also, everyone, I, I'm sure you have you have you talked about the, the sub shows? No, we haven't. We're also excited to announce that we're going to be hosting a live Zoom birthday party for America on July 2nd at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. It's really just a virtual party, but I think Zoom birthday party really gets across how depressing a quarantine mm-hmm. birthday is. So it's America's yeah. Zoom birthday party. She, she doesn't deserve any better. She's, she's put herself through a lot this year. We're going to yeah. roast her a little bit. We're going to have um, our fave, Rep. Eric Swalwell, is going to join us, as well as Crooked Media's uh, Priyanka Arabindi and E.J. Baker. We're going to play some swing state trivia. You guys love Adopt-A-State. Uh, we do, too. So we're going to work with Crooked to talk some more about that. And importantly, all ticket sales benefit the ACLU's Voting Rights Project. Uh, this is to, as we are discussing, there are plenty of voter suppression efforts, and we need to get ahead of them for, before November. So all ticket sales will benefit the ACLU Voting Rights mm-hmm. Project. We have more exciting guests to announce coming up. Again, that is July 2nd at 5 p.m., and you can get your tickets at betches.co slash live. We'll put the link in the show notes, and it's all over our Instagram, all over our Twitter. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah, what's really fun about this platform, too, is like, so we're going to be playing games, and... Um, we are going to like you can there's audience interaction you know you can you can participate in the games that we're playing because we're going to play some like polling games and you can you can basically play along with everything that we're doing yeah this isn't um, like your your like lo-fi influencers instagram live we're using a legit service that lets us yes. put on really high quality shows um that don't have as many technical issues and they're really seamless and it's really you know the best that we can do without meeting up at a bar. And somewhere. all five of your favorite Betcha Sub podcast hosts will be there. We'll um, be there. Also, we are also doing a, a similar Betcha's Pride live at home for Pride. Um, and that is on June 29th at 8 p.m. And it's with me and Chris Burns, aka Fat Carrie Bradshaw. We also have some fun guests, some fun interactive games. And the tickets are $10. And hundred percent of the proceeds go to the Marsh B. Johnson Institute to help uplift uh, the voices of uh, black trans people. And yeah, we are either interviewing the uh, co uh, the founder and executive director of the Marsh B. Johnson Institute. Awesome. Um, so it'll be, it'll be great. Yep. So get your tickets. We'll bring you that link again and again and again before we have our shows. Betches.co slash pride. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Smith. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. 